Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Welcome in everybody and thanks again for listening to Pad the Stats fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, James Swanson. I did not get a podcast out last week, so we have uh, a lot of catching up to do. I've been really busy. Um... Softball season is now behind me, so I don't. I'm not playing games. You know, three days, two, three days a week, where eating up a lot of my nights after work. So, uh, getting back on things, and we have a bust episode that we're going to get to tonight. Uh, recording this podcast uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, excuse me, August twentieth. Uh, releasing this, uh, you'll probably hear this Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, uh, August twenty first, something like that. So. Uh, busts is what's on the radar for tonight's episode. And then of course, we're going to do, uh, our sleepers, uh, episode on the next one. So Pat's not joining me for this podcast. I'm going to do this solo. He'll probably join me later in the week. We have a 14 team draft that we completed on Sunday. We are going to do a recap on that, uh, as well. We'll Probably, I think typically in the past, we just released that to kind of our league mates. Uh, possibly we'll release that, you know, out on the, you know, podcast directories as well. So look out for that. Uh, but first and foremost, look, a lot has happened in the fantasy football world. Of course, now we're getting very, very close to the beginning of the season, just a couple of weeks away from kickoff now, uh, Thursday night after Labor Day. So we are getting in crunch time. I'm sure a lot of you are drafting right now. You're, you already completed maybe a couple of your drafts or you're getting ready to here in the coming weeks. I know Labor Day will be a very popular time frame where you are completing some drafts. So uh, hopefully uh, I'm not too late on this and I can give you some, some valuable information on guys who we believe are either going to be sleepers that you can get in later rounds or, uh, like I said, I'm going to discuss tonight guys who, look, Maybe they're in the early rounds. Maybe we think that they're going to be uh, bust candidates for this coming season. Or maybe they're a little bit later rounds, middle rounds, and they're just not going to live up to expectations or where you think uh, or maybe where you've been told or what you've heard You know, they could end up based on, you know, again, either what you've heard or what they did last season. So before we do get into that, though, I do have some news and notes, some things that's things that have happened within the past, you know, 48, 72 hours. Um, Golden Tate, of course, he's going to miss the first four games of the season, but he is in the concussion protocol. Now, that shouldn't affect his availability come week five when he comes off that suspension when he's ready to roll, but that's something to uh, to take into consideration with the Giants. Wide receiving core who, uh, well, let's be honest, they've been banged up a lot so far to start. Sterling Shepard, of course, had that broken finger, and... They are trying to kind of get everybody, trying to get their pieces in place. Um, and that that has been something that we will discuss, I'm sure, is that Giants receiving core and who really to target there, of course, outside uh, Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. Le'Veon Bell will not play in any preseason game, so if you were hoping to see him in a Jets uniform, you know, at least getting some dress rehearsal reps, he will not play in the preseasons, we'll have to week, wait till week one till we see Le'Veon Bell suit up again. He has not done so since 2017. DK Metcalf having knee surgery this week, but that is not expected to keep him out long. So there is still the expectation that DK Metcalf will start in two receiver sets alongside Tyler Lockett once he is ready to go. There is an expectation that 
this injury won't keep him out very long. He might miss the season opener, but it shouldn't be a situation like A.J. Green where he's missing, you know, three, four weeks. So keep an eye on DK Metcalf. Keep an eye on that receiving core. I don't think you're going to be targeting anybody outside Tyler Lockett in the redraft leagues right now. Of course, DK Metcalf is a good you know, dynasty hold, but I don't expect a lot out of DK Metcalf in year one. I think this is going to be a developmental year, and I would not be targeting him. He's not somebody that I'm looking at deep in my drafts. Another rookie wide receiver, Akeem Butler for the Arizona Cardinals, who we... Pat and I really, really liked looking at his tape coming out of Iowa State. He has a fracture in his hand. It's not clear how long he will be out, but it does sound like a fairly severe injury. They might put him on IR. That has been some of the discussion that I've heard so far. Uh, I don't believe there's an official word yet on whether he has landed on IR, but that is a possibility. It could be a redshirt year for Hakeem Butler. So this just opens up more things in the Cardinals offense. It gives more of an opportunity for guys like Keyshawn Johnson to really put a stronghold down on a position on the outside. And look, I think that certainly Larry Fitzgerald's still going to have a big role as a uh, as a veteran in the offense, and Christian Kirk should be the next guy up. He could actually lead that team in targets, in receptions, or at least be right there with Fitzy. I do believe that that Kirk will be the guy this year for the Cardinals, but. They drafted three guys. Uh, Andy Isabella is expected to, you know, get a little bit of run as well. But Keyshawn Johnson has looked very good, and this this Hakeem Butler news only opens up more opportunity for some of those young guys. Josh Gordon has been reinstated. Now, where do we draft? This was a quick turnaround. I think he only applied for a reinstate, you know, reinstatement. Uh, what a month ago? Uh, all of a sudden, the leagues turned around quickly. Who knows? All this you know, arbitrary decisions that the league makes. I don't even, I can't even follow it anymore. Uh, it's hard to get an idea of where their basis lies with a lot of their decision-making. But, you know, a quick month return, uh, turnaround, and Josh Gordon is, in fact, back with the Patriots. Look, he was a pretty steady wide receiver, too, in a lot of uh, his appearances last season. He's a guy who, what, I think he's 28, 29 at this point in his career. Um but another year in the Patriots system, another year with Tom Brady. We know Julian Edelman's 33. He uh, is a guy who's going a lot in the second and third round range of drafts and should still lead the Patriots in targets. But he's a guy who's also been injury prone. No more Gronk. There's really not a tight end option in New England. So Josh Gordon figures to be, uh, look, I, I can certainly see him being a, having another strong year as a wide receiver too if he can somehow stay on the field for the entire year. Jake, in our draft the other day, I think he took him, oh, I don't know, I think it was the 3-4 turn. He took Josh Gordon in a 14-team league. A little bit early for me, I would much rather have Josh Gordon in the 5th, 6th six, round range, I think, would be more where I'm comfortable, you know, in that range of maybe Allen Robinson, though I think I would rather have Allen Robinson at this point. Uh, so, look, here's a guy who... You kind of have to form your own opinion on Josh Gordon at this point in his career. There's a lot of things to consider. Is he going to stay on the field? Is he going to stay out of trouble? What kind of, you know, just energy and effort level is he going to bring to each game, each practice? He's in a good, he's with a good organization. He had a good, pretty good season last year. Uh, but there's certain, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty with Josh Gordon and, that makes me nervous. Guys like that just make me nervous at this point. Um, 
not a guy that I'm I'm really targeting. I, I don't know if he's completely off my draft board at this point, but I need to get him in a, a pretty good bargain to want to roll the dice with Josh Gordon. Case Keenum is expected to be the starter week one for Washington. I don't think there's a ton of surprise there. Um, you know, Colt McCoy has served at a, as a back in a backup role, you know, much of his career. I think that Case Keenum, you know, expectedly had the leg up there. Dwayne Haskins hasn't quite, you know, taken a, a hold on, you know, that starting job. And I don't think he's looked terrible in, in a couple of you know, of his appearances, but I don't think he's looked great either. You know, he still certainly has some room to grow. So Case Keenum will be the starter there week one for the Redskins. Derwin James, stress fracture in his foot. He's going to miss a few months. It's reported that he's going to miss three to four months. So if you're in an IDP league, you're preparing for your draft, uh, just, you know, keep aware that, that one of the best safeties, one of the best, you know, defensive back options in terms of IDP is not going to be available and is not a draft option at this point. Okay, let's talk about our 2019 bus. And look, I looked at the tight end position a lot here. Uh, spoiler alert, there's a couple guys that I'm going to talk about that if you listen to, go back and listen to my 2019 fallers. Uh, we did a risers and a fallers uh, podcast, which is somewhat similar to the bust, but this the bust is you know, a little comes into more clear focus, you know, when we get into the season or, or at least close to the season. So it's a little bit more appropriate now to do the, the, our sleepers and our bus that kind of line up with ADP. So I'll talk a little bit about draft position with some of these guys, where they're going, where they're going among their, you know, fellow position, uh, players, um, and kind of give you an idea of, of what the expectation is is going to be for some of these guys. But but first off, starting at the running back position, Damian Williams is my first bust that I have here. And this might seem like a bit of a cop-out, a bit of an easy one, because among all the running backs taken, I think, in the first two rounds, Damian Williams might have one of the bigger question marks on him. Uh, of course, when we talk about Todd Todd Gurley with the knee and we talk about Ezekiel Elliott with his uh, you know holdout situation and Melvin Gordon in that same respect— those guys have big question marks on them, but there's nothing holding Damian Williams back from being on the football field this year. I just have concerns about, hey, is Damian Williams actually that talented? Is he actually going to get all of the work in Kansas City? And I don't think he is. I think this is going to be a little bit of a split. You have to keep your eyes on Darwin Thompson at this point. He's a guy who's come in as a rookie. He's looked good. The coaching staff seems like they think he he's a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of where they thought he actually would be especially in the running game. He's actually stepped up a little bit more from what I've been reading and hearing uh, just in terms of, you know, he's a he's a fast guy, so he's a guy who I think can catch the football a little bit and do some things in the passing game, but he's ahead of the curve in the running game as well. I think they're going to give him some run this season, and you can't forget about Carlos Hyde. Assuming that Carlos Hyde does not get cut, I think that Carlos Hyde's going to factor into this run game you know, somehow this season. He had an ugly fumble the other night against the Steelers. But overall, I think Carlos Hyde's going to factor into this. And look, Damian Williams really only had a stretch last season of four weeks. Again, he scored six touchdowns over those final four games of the regular season. He had four more, you know, touchdowns in those two playoff games. So 10 really over, uh, you know, a six-game period. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry after taking over for Kareem Hunt after that suspension, or after him not suspension, but him, you know, getting released by the Chiefs. 
Look, I know he's he, look. He's still 27 years old. Only has 291 total touches. That's only four and a half per game over five seasons. 74 of a possible uh, 80 games he's played in. So he hasn't got a lot of work. He hasn't been an injury prone guy. But again, we haven't seen a lot of workload from him. So I think there's a little bit of uncertainty and. That always worries me. I, I'm not going to put too much stock into what he did over the final four games last season. I know people are going to do that. It's a little like the same thing with Derrick Henry, though Derrick Henry has gotten more work in Tennessee. I'm really worried about those two backs. I'm really worried about Damian Williams and what kind of role. It's just a little bit too early for me in the second round to pull a trigger on a guy who I don't know if he's going to get nearly the same workload as some of those other guys in that range, you know, give me Aaron Jones, give me Carrion Johnson, give me Devontae Freeman by a long shot over Damian Williams. Uh, I think I have him coming in at running back 22. I would rather have Damon Montgomery at this point. I would rather have Chris Carson at this point. Teams that, look, guys that I believe, now I know David Montgomery is a rookie coming in, but that's kind of where I'm at with Damian Williams at this point. Does he have the upside to do it? I do think he does because he's in such an explosive offense with Kansas City. So if that's your calling card, uh, that, look, it's a great offense. We saw what he did over the final four games last year. But I'm not sold that he's going to get to that touchdown rate that he did. And I'm not sold, again, that he's going to get quite the work that everybody is expecting him to get, at least you know with that second-round price tag. So, look... I'm okay with Damian Williams in the late third, but I'm not okay with him in the mid-second, late second. So I think it's too high. Again, I'd rather have Carrion. I'd rather have Jones, Freeman, Jacobs, you know, Carson, even Philip Lindsay at this point. Um, but I'm definitely fading Damian Williams, and he is my number one bust for 2019. Now, my second bust, a guy who is in a new home this year, who has notoriously not lived up to expectations or at least what his freakishly athletic kind of prototype you know you would expect or you would hope for and we're talking about the tight end position and I'm talking about Jared Cook now you're gonna think to yourself wow this is a great situation he goes goes to New Orleans he gets to play with one of the most accurate if not the most accurate quarterback of, of all time really with Drew Brees even though this isn't quite the volume passing offense that we've seen from the Saints recently, um, or at least or I'm saying in the past, the past couple years have not been that high volume for them in terms of, you know, in the passing game. Um, I just have kind of this funny feeling that, that Jared Cook is going to surprise people big time and not in a good way in terms of, you know, just his overall volume and, and usage in this offense. I do think he's going to have his moments, but let's take a look back at Jared look, you know, a look at Jared Cook's career up to this point. He's entering his 11th season in the NFL. This is going to be the fifth team in the last 8 years. Titans, Rams, Packers, and of course the Raiders last year. He, look, he's a guy who's been generally healthy. He's appeared in 149 of 160 possible career games. That's the good news. Now, here's the bad news with Jared Cook. Even though last year he had a career high 68 catches on 101 targets for nearly 900 yards and six touchdowns before last season his previous 133 games these are his averages 68 targets 40 receptions 508 yards and two touchdowns 
a 59% catch rate. So, look, even if we're talking about a guy who gets up into the 65 66% catch range, let's say he does that with Drew Brees, I still think you're looking at a guy who's just not really going to, to wow you. I think you're still looking at a 50-catch campaign, which at the tight end position these days is a, is pretty good, but he should not be taken as your fifth tight end or sixth tight end off the board. The upside, I don't really see it. He's not a guy who's traditionally scored touchdowns in his career. Again, two touchdowns per year uh, You know, in his previous, what, nine seasons. So how is he going to get acclimated in a new offense that, let's face it, the Saints have not utilized tight ends big time since Jimmy Graham. And Jared Cook is a very good athlete. He's not Jimmy Graham. He had a very good season last year in Oakland. But the usage, the targets are probably not going to be there in an offense that features Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. They're not going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to probably be in the bottom half of the league in terms of passing attempts. And Jared Cook is not going to be the focal point of this offense. He might be the third. He might be the fourth option, depending on how Traquan Smith develops in year two. So I'm fading Jared Cook. I think he's a major, major bust candidate this year. And I'm telling you, I would not take him where he's currently going. That current ADP in the late sixth round is way too early for me. I'd much rather have tight ends later. I'd much rather have Vance McDonald if you can get him in the ninth or tenth round. Um... You know, there are a few other guys in that late, those double-digit rounds that I would much, much rather have at this point. So, look, the other thing is, when you look at positional players in that 6th, 7th round, if you're trying to, you know, my philosophy, and, and if you listen to a lot of other fantasy experts, it's about getting depth at those positions that are at a premium, and that's running back and receiver. And when you're in that 6th and 7th round territory, that is some of your last chances to really build depth at those positions. So Christian Kirk, Allen Robinson, Latavius Murray, Will Fuller, Darius Geis, Miles Sanders, Lamar Miller, Curtis Samuel, those are all players going in the same range as Jared Cook. I would much rather have all of those players in that same area because, again, it's you have to be able to build depth where you can. If you wait too long, you're going to be at a in a situation where it's very depleted in the 8th and ninth, 10th rounds. So get those players where you can. Do not take Jared Cook where he's currently going. You're going to be very disappointed in him. And then my number three, I'm sticking with the tight end position, and I'm going with Eric Ebron. Year two in Indianapolis, if Andrew Luck plays all 16 games, which it looks like I'm starting to think he's not, I I really believe that he's going to miss maybe the first game, maybe two games to start the season. I don't think he's going to be a candidate to miss, you know, three, four, five games. Uh, but it certainly isn't a good sign for Eric Ebron to start off, you know, the matters. I mean, that's one reason to kind of look at this as a a year where Eric Ebron can kind of take a little bit of a dip of, you know, in terms of what he did last year. Uh, But again, talking about 2018, it was a career year for Eric Ebron. 66 catches, 750 yards, but the big thing here, 13 touchdowns. He led the NFL, led tight ends in touchdowns last year. He's played in 16 games the last two seasons, so he's been somebody who's been able to stay on the football field. That's big. He's still only 26 years old. He's a good athlete. That was one of the biggest things when he was coming out uh, of college when he was a first-round pick is how athletic he was. He could be 
that guy who stretches the field, who is a real threat in the passing game, and that's what he is. The biggest thing that you have to take into consideration with Eric Ebron and him taking a potential step back in 2019 is the return of Jack Doyle. Okay, Jack Doyle only played in six games in 2018. Before 2018, he's only missed two games in the five seasons combined prior. So generally, Jack Doyle has been someone who's been very healthy. He commanded 108 targets, 108 targets in 2018 and 75 in 2017. He also caught nine touchdowns in those two years combined. So if you think that Jack Doyle is going to come in and just kind of take this major back seat to Eric Ebron, do not fall into that trap. I would much rather take Jack Doyle at where he's going, um, you know, in rounds 13, 14, wherever you think you can get him in those double-digit rounds. I would much rather have him at his ADP there than where Eric Ebron is going, uh, you know, really in that same range, uh, 6th, 7th round as Jared Cook. The bottom line here is I don't see a likely scenario where Eric Ebron gets back to the 100-plus targets or really even 90 targets for that matter in 2019. At 60% catch rate, it's hard to envision the touchdowns being in the double digits again. So the 13 touchdowns, uh uh-uh, it's not happening. It's not going to happen this year. He's not going to get over 100 targets. He's not a guy who catches at a, a you know a high catch rate or, or competes at a, uh, a high catch rate. So another player, another player at the tight end position that I'm fading, Eric Ebron. A couple other guys, you know, just looking at the... Um, oh, one thing I did want to mention. I talked about this earlier in the episode. Go back to that May 28th fallers episode for much more on eric ebron i talked about him a ton i believe in that episode so go back and listen to that more if you want to hear more about my reasoning behind eric ebron being a bust in 20 or taking a step back i should say in 2019 um a couple other guys that i i think have a really good chance to not live up to expectations this season marquez valdez scantling i know there's been a lot of buzz around him in green bay about him stepping up and and kind of taking over that role but look i I don't see another guy really taking a big step in that offense this year. When I say a big step, I don't think that there's going to be a guy who you're going to be really, really happy with, you know, being a big time or a consistent fantasy option. Somebody that is going to be a consistent wide receiver three or in your flex spot for the entire season. I think Valdez Scantley is more of going to be a guy who maybe comes out around 50 to 55 catches on the season. Um, Not somebody that I see snagging 75, 70, 75 balls. Devontae Adams, we all know, is going to command 150 to 160 targets more than likely. I think Geronimo Allison, who's going in that same range as Valdez Scantling, who is going to be running out of the slot quite a bit um, from everything I've heard. I think Allison is the guy who you should be targeting over Valdez Scantling I do think Valdez Scantling's a talented player, and I think that he's going to get his chance or at least an ample opportunity to show what he can do in the offense. But I don't believe that it's going to be him that's going to be that number two guy. I think Allison has a better chance to to do that. He was very good before he was injured last year. I think he picks up where he left off, and I think Geronimo Allison should be that option that you're targeting, say, in the eighth round range. Uh, seventh, eighth round, where you're you're targeting these two Green Bay receivers, 
And look, if Jake Kumaro makes the roster, I don't know it's a certainty that he will. I think he could push these guys to to get some serious snaps at receiver. So keep an eye out for Jake Kumaro. Um, I just don't see Valdez Scantling being that guy that everybody hopes he will be in year two. A.J. Green is yet another player who I, I think you're going to be disappointed. I, look, I drafted him in a couple places, and I'm hopeful because we know the upside with A.J. Green. This really comes down to more so the injury aspect of Green's you know, career at this point. 31 years old. He just turned 31 this year. Um, these foot, these toe injuries, ankle injuries that he's he's experiencing – I have a hard time believing that he's going to make it through this year, you know, even after he comes back unscathed. You know, I, I really think that he's going to miss some serious time. Um, not to mention, I don't think he, at at this point, it sounds like he's not coming back until week four, week five. Um, I think that might be the best case scenario. So he had surgery. I am not confident in A.J. Green's ability to stay on the field. And look, if you want to take him, I, I've taken him in the, I, I just got him, I think at 70, 71, something like that. The end of a seventh round in a 10 team. Look, if he's fallen that far, sure. Why not take a shot at him? But in the fifth round, um, yeah, I'm, I'm taking DJ Moore. I'm taking Christian Kirk. I'm taking Alan Robinson. Um, there are a number of players I'm take probably I'm, taking Sammy Watkins over him at this point. I mean, there are a number of receivers in that range where I would be much more comfortable just given the uncertainty around A.J. Green and, and his availability at the beginning of the season. A player who, look, you're probably only getting 11 games out of him at, at the most, um, 11, 12 games at the most, and he just keeps kind of proving that it's just hard to trust him in his availability at this point. Pat is not going to like this, but Tyler Lockett's another player that I just, I don't know. I just can't fall in love with. I know the efficiency. He's actually sitting in the living room shaking his head at me right now. Um, I don't know. I, I know the efficiency is, is, was outstanding. I get it. Um, I get that he's going to more than likely be the number one option in that offense this year. They're going to be bottom five in terms of pass attempts. Uh, you know, per game, they're going to run the ball a ton. I I just can't fully get behind the talent. I haven't seen it for four or five seasons now. Um, at least not great. Like I think he is a fine, like a really really good wide receiver three. I just I don't know if he's going to be that guy that that you can depend on for a full season. I just think there are going to be a lot of ups and downs still with Tyler Lockett, and I'm not willing to pull the trigger on him in the third round or the you know even really, I guess, early, mid-fourth round at this point um, to be my number two. I just I, I don't believe it quite yet, but hey, go out and ball out. Prove me wrong, Tyler Lockett. A lot of people are on that boat right now. Uh, I get it from an opportunity standpoint. I certainly can't deny that part of it, but... He, he's just not on my radar yet. Darius Geis, I'm starting to fade Darius Geis a little bit. Look, he's going to play in the preseason game this Thursday. Look out for what he can do in that game. I, I think it's very important to get an eye on, on Geis here early in the season to see if he can build some momentum heading into the regular season. 
But look, it, he just feels like a guy who's in the wrong spot, who's had bad luck, and it's just kind of it feels like it's snowballing at this point a little bit. Um, you know, had a hamstring injury, of course, had the knee injury last year that kept him out the entire season. That's unfortunate. ACL injuries can. You know, players can rebound from them at this point. You know where we're at in 2019 with uh, with medicine and with um, you know some of the best doctors and trainers. Guys can get back from that, but Washington's probably not going to be a good football team this year. I don't necessarily love having running backs that are in bad offenses, and especially guys who really have not carried the ball in the NFL at all yet. Um, just. Like I said, keep an eye out for what Geist does here in the preseason. See if he can build some momentum heading into week one. If he does, I'm still okay with drafting him in the sixth round. Uh, but, you know, it's just a, a, a lot of uncertainty for a guy who, again, is not in a good situation, has had some bad luck. I'm hoping that that he can kind of, you know, get his footing underneath him. Um and, and kind of take off because I do think he's a talented player, but again, I would not be very confident in Darius Geis uh, having a great year two, or I guess technically year one because he didn't play it all last year. And then my final one again, Pat's gonna shake his head at me again, but um, I and I, again, I don't think he's necessarily a huge bust per se, but Curtis Samuel, I just don't see it with this Carolina passing offense, um. I do think DJ Moore can be a, a you know a wide receiver too, a pretty solid one. I haven't seen you know Curtis Samuel hasn't done anything in his first two years. I know he's been injured. He's had a little bit of trouble staying on the field. Um, I do think he's a good athlete. You know he's obviously you know a fast guy who his route running is is supposedly been very very you know precise. It's been one of the talking points of Panthers camp so far. So where you're getting him, I think the ADP is fine, I, you know, but it's starting to really creep up there. And if he's a guy that, that you need to draft in the seventh round just to get Curtis Samuel, I think you're making a mistake. This is not going to be a prolific passing offense. And I just don't see a situation where Curtis Samuel is a number two receiver or a wide receiver two in fantasy. So, you know, just don't get your hopes up. Don't, don't go too far and rock that boat too much with Curtis Samuel. Ninth, tenth round, okay, I can deal with that, but not in the seventh round. This is getting too, too much, I think, for Curtis Samuel. So he's another guy that I'm, uh, again, I'm pumping the brakes on a little bit. I, I just, I would love to see it for a year and be able to really trust this guy before, you know, I'm pulling the trigger on him, uh, you know, quite that early. Okay, well, the the big bus again, Damian Williams, Jared Cook, and Eric Ebron were the three guys that I really think you need to take a look at. I think you need to understand, you know, the situation that these players are going to be in this year. If there's one guy that I think, you know, could to have that potential, obviously it's Damian Williams. Um, he, if he does get the opportunity in KC, again, I just think there are some uh, some things kind of not working in his favor this season. Um, but the other two guys, especially, so, you know, do your homework, um, when you're preparing for your drafts, kind of, you know, count those red flags, look at those things that are working against guys, whether it's opportunity, whether it's talent, whether it's depth chart, um, you know, whether it's the, the phase of the game that these guys play into the passing game or the running game, are they going to be on a good team or they're going to be on a team that 
possesses the ball a lot? Are they going to be on a team that scores a lot? Those are all things that you need to look at, and those are those are factors that go into determining our bus, our sleepers, um, our you know our my guys episode, things like that. So again, just a little bit of a draft uh, you know advice there. Look at all the factors that go into it, and that'll help make you know help you make uh, educated. Um, decisions when it comes time to draft these players. So thanks again for for listening to Pad the Stats. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Again, you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere that you you listen to your podcast. You know, all of the main directories, uh, you can find Pad the Stats, whether it be iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, um, you name it, you can find us. So look out for that 2019 Sleepers episode. We'll be recording that next. And have a good one, everybody. Bye-bye.